0: Welcome back to FinTalk, brought to you by Vermeck. Here we discuss pressing topics in fintech, regtech, covering regulatory, collateral, and digital across banking and insurance and finance. Vermec has been proud to deliver innovative software solutions in the industry with stability and cost efficiency for our global Rostock clients. With over 20 years of trusted transformation in finance and insurance, we're bringing industry's top expertise to FinTalk. I'm Gerald Akhtar, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Welcome back to FinTalk, brought to you by Vermeg. So today's session we're going to be talking about open source and everything to do with open source. I'm delighted to have with me Jane Gavronsky from Finos as CTO and also Malcolm Arnold from Vermeg as the global head of Reg Product. Before I let them introduce themselves, I just kind of want to talk about open source just slightly. Kind of today's topic really is going to be what we know about it, what it what it is in its entirety, what it benefits of it from the user. We're hearing a lot about it from the industry, and what benefits will give to the general user and from a client or a firm perspective, and also what does it do for RegTechs. So Jane and Malcolm, over to you guys. So, you know, It'd be great to know actually what you do, uh, your firms, what, what they do, and really what is open source.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Jane Gavronsky. It's great to be here. Thank you, Jawad, for inviting me. I am with Finos. Finos is the FinTech Open Source Foundation, and I am CTO at Finos. Our mission at Finos is to advance the use of open source technologies within the financial services industry. My background is in financial services technology, in fact, in capital markets, um, I've spent my entire career delivering technology internally at financial institutions, anywhere from trading to reference data, etc. And and I, it's very interesting for me to be now involved in open source very explicitly because you know sharing technologies in financial services was like sharing any trade secrets in financial services extremely taboo, and now we're seeing that turn, and I'm very excited to be at the pivotal point of that culture turning.
2: And hi, everyone. Malcolm Arnold. Delighted to be here. Thank you, Jawad. I'm head of regulatory product for Vermeg. Vermeg is a a software provider. Within that, there's the RegTech business unit, which I'm proud to to lead from a product standpoint. We sell regulatory reporting software into first regions of the world, North America, UK, Europe, and uh, APAC. The sort of regulatory reporting that we do is the the prudential statistical and risk-based regulatory reporting these are often daily weekly monthly reports as opposed to the transaction reporting and I so in my role I have a responsibility for the for the whole solution the whole product line yeah, thank you guys
0: and uh I know I've got Jay from New York and and Malcolm in London so it feels like a global global feel here um I just want to start from the from the very beginning really um open source um uh, we hear a lot about it what actually is it so it'd be great to get a take from a from a software both software vendors um both sides of the
2: pond really what is it for,
0: for you know
2: can we tell our users yeah so to start at the beginning sorry jane jump in open source software just really at a very basic level means that the source code is available to be read and in theory also contributed to so the a lot of companies for good or bad and organizations like to put open as a prefix before almost any noun these days. And what they're really getting at is that there's an ethos, or ought to be an ethos of collaboration and community spirit where the, uh, the thing you're working on and all the discussions and debates that were behind it are all in the public. And that's really what the open prefix has begun to mean. But I think that open source is the first and definitive use of that open prefix so yeah, it's it's mostly about a licensing and distribution model. From from my point of view, it means that as software vendor, you can you can go in and grab these software libraries for free, which is a fantastic benefit. But also, it gives you freedom in that uh, you can make edits and changes and modifications to suit your purposes. And some of the open source licenses will compel you to donate those changes back to the to the maintainer, which is a kind of a fair bargain. Some of them are very permissive indeed and allow you to just make your own modifications in secret. But basically it just means that the source code is available. You can see how it works and you can contribute back. And that's the distinction really between open and closed source. But Jane probably has a more thorough and academic. No, (laughs) no, you you got it and you
1: saved me reading off the book definition, but you're absolutely right. I think there is the cultural component and then there's the licensing component. So Purely from a licensing perspective, as you said, it is the code is written and given under a license of free to use by anyone without any commercial implications. There are, as you say, more permissive and less permissive licenses as to when someone uses the code, are they obligated to donate back the changes that they're making or not? And the most permissive, you can just take a copy, as you said, and update it privately without having to give back your updates. Yeah. So I, I think that opens up opportunities for people to develop technology without having to pay for some of the core components, which I think then drives into the cultural component, which is it creates a more inclusive, a more even playing field for people to interact with each other on a technology platform. This, of course, started within the technology uh, organizations and technology community and has now, the, the libraries that are available are available for different business verticals, right? So Finos, for example, is the financial services vertical. There are all kinds of industries that are leveraging this. The Linux Foundation, which we are a part of, does provide projects and host projects for many such industries it's a, it's in hardware it's in telecommunications it's in networking it's in it's in hollywood even libraries and projects that have to do with you know video processing and rendering uh, you know those are those rely on open source code at the core and obviously as i said it's very new for financial services so besides code besides open source, this now also refers to open standards as well. So standards which are developed in the open and benefit from the contribution of many players that would want the standard to exist. And that is something that that we at Finos are also heavily involved in.
0: Thank you, guys. I I know it's new for the financial industry, as you said, Jane, um, and it's it's been available everywhere else at the moment. Here in the UK, especially around the reg, reg space, there's a lot of discussion around controls, data lineage, governance, all those kind of elements around that. So how can open source facilitate that or you know, make it easier or does it make it easier is the question really.
1: I can try to kick it off without talking too long because <laughs> uh, I, I have so much to say, we'll probably be here for three sessions. <laughs> so again, I think first of all, you need to start with the culture. And open source kind of invites everybody to the table, and the open standards do as well, and allows people to start talking to each other about, well, how do we do this, right? And what's the right implementation that would work for everyone? And again, throughout my career, everything is always very siloed in financial services. You know, even within an institution, you would have... The equity guys and the fixed income guys, you would have the front office guys and the back office guys and the compliance guys, and everybody has their like technology silos. And whether it's internally changing the culture first, and even more so externally, where people realize, oh, I can talk to my peers at other banks about this, and no, it is not giving away the secret sauce, that's something that is huge, and it's going to be an evolution. So, first of all, it's cultural, second of all, very simply, very very simply, and there are many other reasons it just saves money it because everybody's doing the same thing and if you if everyone participates and shares in delivering something, well you save a ton of money and time, frankly, so time is money, so it all comes down to money in the end, and then of course it it kind of creates a much more even ecosystem, because if you're all using the same thing, it's much easier to process the data, generate the data, have more information about what's going on in the market. And I'll stop.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's perfect alignment with what I was thinking as well, Jane. So the cultural thing is the most important thing, because if you look at um, reg tech, what sets reg tech apart from other sorts of fintech? in the in the general sort of family of techs is that it does feel like it has a different ethos there is a bit more of a community-minded approach although the various players and vendors in the regtech space are kind of fierce competitors there is a more of a collaborative attitude there in 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 regtech and it's a it's a distinctive thing about regtech as opposed to other fintechs at a cultural level it's very aligned with the ideas behind um open source which is obviously a lot more Collaborative and community minded uh, in particular, I think this is really it's not driven by anything other than the the brutal fact that most of the regulatory requirements that financial institutions have to adhere to it's really just a burden and a cost for them it's not an area of much competition it's uh, all financial institutions their their peers have got the same regulatory requirements so it's, it's, you could say there's a you can compete and who can do it the cheapest, but really it's, it's, it's an area that's ripe for collaboration. And as Jane was saying, that the cost uh, of open source and the cost savings by sharing are, are there to be had by the whole industry and to be passed on, therefore, to, to consumers of the industry. So if you take the sort of regulatory reporting that Vermeg do uh, or support with our solutions, Regulators could could open source things like data models and open source things like the calculations, and therefore those could be shared as libraries and components. There's still a space for vendors to compete, but um, if they're shared, then the then the benefits of sharing are for everyone, and therefore you know they all stand to benefit a lot. So in terms of collaboration and you know everyone working together, who, who does
0: it? Who, who kicks it off? Is there a regulator that has to has to really kick off the initiative and everyone gets on board? Is it, is it the Bank of England you know, Transforming Data Collection? Is it, is it them doing it or is it vendors or is it – who who does it? Because it's, you know
2: – Yeah, I think you've got to ask yourself the question, if it's such a good idea, why hasn't it happened before? Uh, and I do think that regulators have to kick it off. The, uh, the Bank of England's Transforming Data Collection, they've now booted off for quite a community-oriented collaboration through – Almost less like a social networking app with with um, partnership with EY, which looks very interesting, and we're we're bound to get involved with that sort of thing. So they've got the collaborative feedback coming in, but um, yeah, I, I do think the supervisors have to have to have to kick it off. They need to look at the sorts of governance models that Linux Foundation has, as Jane mentioned, and also Apache Foundation, Eclipse, and these other sort of big open source communities, and see how they're able to get basically people who are antagonists in some ways, um, you look at the likes of Oracle and Microsoft and Red Hat, you know, they're fierce competitors, and yet they, they do collaborate in those cases where it matters and where it's, you know, it's not a zero-sum game for them to compete. So I think that a lot of those governance ideas should be taken wholesale by regulators to, help, to allow them to sort of uh, convene but, and maybe sponsor it and push it along the participants in the process would have to be the financial institutions and the software vendors like us.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a very interesting point. So you know, classically, there are many times when industries come together to to collaborate on the standard. So recently, I was learning more about credit card payments, right? And if you think back when credit cards started, You had point-to-point transactions that had to be cleared between different banks. So, of course, the banks got together and said, well, hey, you know, from bank A to bank B, I have one interface. And from bank A to bank C, I have a different interface. That doesn't make any sense, right? So when you have this kind of like a wheel-and-spoke model where everybody needs to talk to everybody, of course, the industry will come together and create something that's convenient. The same thing happened with the fixed standard. If you have a model where, you know, each participant needs to kind of talk to the regulator and they don't have to talk among each other, then maybe they're not going to see necessarily the return in driving the standard themselves. So in this case, I would agree with Malcolm. Yes, absolutely. It would make sense for the regulator to come out and say, well, hey, we want this to be the standard because then it helps everybody. Everybody knows how to converse with them. It definitely would help but we're seeing this as well the regulators are trying to understand okay why should we have a standard right and and i think those those are the questions in the the bank of england's sort of release that they did the first question is how do we benefit from a standard who benefits from a standard and to me if i look at those questions i don't know i probably wouldn't wouldn't even like think about answering that because to me it's so obvious (laughs) you know of course of course you would it's it's like the nuts and the bolts you know if you you don't have a standard for the nuts and the bolts you know you're not creating an ecosystem uh, an economically viable ecosystem so yes it would be good but I think the regulators are also in a position where they want to learn from the industry and that's where the industry coming together and showing an example of where they're collaborating sort of drives the leader towards accepting
0: it makes sense right uh, it makes sense to to collaborate i feel like we're going to be far away from it yeah telling clients that we could save them money that's uh they should hopefully that should be a, a massive uh jump to collaborate between firms just uh, kind of a few marks to close out i jane have you seen any collaborations or any examples of where this has worked in kind of your experience
1: yeah. Uh, so first of all, we have been working on a strategic initiative for some time at Finos. It's called the Open RegTech Initiative, where we do bring together industry players and, and invite the regulators to come in. And in fact, it's, it's recently gotten very lively because Finra has been coming and showing us what they're doing. And they recently went public with a tool that they have called First, which is the beginnings of something that allows people to more easily and more in an electronic fashion to traverse their rule book and understand which rules are applicable for certain use cases. So they've, show, they've come to us and, and used our community to advertise what they're doing. And recently, the, once they released the product, they, they essentially kind of asked everyone for feedback. And, and that feedback request is also out there public. I think people should take a look and and comment on that as well. And that's creating essentially a rule taxonomy. And that's great. Uh, We also have a project that was started by some of our members that attempts to do the same thing. The, The rule books are huge and the jurisdictions to which they apply are many. So working together on different parts of creating a taxonomy would be awesome. So we have some of those projects already started. Then we have some more pointed projects like uh, liquidity coverage ratio implementations that are being done also in the open. So we see several in different areas. And also, I mentioned standards before. Last but not least, and we'll be releasing more information about that in December at our conference, Uh Finos is going to be hosting the common domain model that's coming over from Isda and will also have participation from Isla Enigma as the standard model for developing financial instrument standard models and for uh you know describing transaction and business activity information. So yeah, we we have many and it's it's a great time to get involved.
0: Thank you, James. Sounds like a lot to come, lot to look forward to and uh hopefully the conference as well goes well for you guys Malcolm, any points from you on what clients could uh, expect to do or see um know
2: what we're looking to do in the future as well well yes it it does feel like there's a there's a lot of this collaboration happening at the grassroots and um and it it feels like the stage is set for for a bit of a revolution over the next five years or so. I know it's been slow paced and maybe some of the listeners are thinking where are the fruits of this and why hasn't it happened before but it does feel like there's a sort of a growing momentum here um with the things that jane mentioned from a vermeg point of view you know also your listeners might be thinking well why would this guy from vermeg be pushing open source doesn't that ruin the whole business model of selling software but we we're, we're faced with the same sort of thing as banks really we're, we're confident that the parts that will be open source will be the bits where, where vendors don't really compete. There'll be, you know, kind of the the boring library-like parts of an overall regulatory solution. And there ought to be, and there will be, ways where we can compete and vendors like us compete to offer value-added features to make a really good solution out of it. So it's the sort of thing where a core part of a regu- reg tech solution might be open source, but there'll be enough there proprietary for the vendor to, to to add compelling features to make it something that you can sell I think there's room there for entire what they call reference implementations where the whole you'd have a almost like an end-to-end open source software solution for a particular regulatory requirement whether that's a you know a calculation or a wholesale set of calculations and a whole data model and everything but they won't be uh, much more than reference implementations that still gives us an ability to compete because we can create a you know functionally equivalent implementation that is you know better in some ways so uh, that's kind of the vermeg point of view we want to collaborate as much as possible because we see that it's unstoppable uh, and we're still confident in our own ability to find value added solutions to find compelling solutions in the marketplace
1: you know, they say rising tides lift all boats, right? So that's, that's kind of a, it's, it's an easy analogy to imagine, but it's not just that. It's also you grow the ecosystem. You grow the ability for others to, to enter the market and have a play in it. So yes, absolutely reference implementations and also open core, right? And open standards. Because once you have that, you essentially create a, a, an opportunity for other people to offer solutions more easily. I mean, you know, Linux is a great example of that, as well as Kubernetes, for example, right? So, so once it was open source, it just created a whole new ecosystem of smaller and larger companies who can A, support the open standard, but B, build, build on top of it extensions and tools that they can sell. The same thing can, can happen here we've seen it many times so there's very much a commercial end to open source which is extremely viable
2: yeah it sets up the foundations it sets up the game the marketplace in a lot of ways that's going back to what we're talking about earlier in some ways i think all the regulator has to do is set it up and and set up the build the build the playing field and the players will come and play Uh, they just have to set up the conditions and almost like stand back and let it happen.
0: Sounds like field of dreams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> build it and they will come. Um, on that note, I would just like to say a massive thank you to Jane and to Malcolm. I know there's been a lot we've covered, um, and I'm sure we can go into a lot more detail in the future. And and, you, and you're right, Malcolm. There is it's been a long time coming, right? It's just it's been years. I'm hoping that the acceleration is is steep and and fast. So something to look forward to jane i'm sure we'll we'll be in touch and speaking again yeah thank you everyone and uh look forward to next time thank you thank you